0: Our world is changing fast, as the digital revolution gathers new pace and sustainability becomes a watchword for businesses in every sector. In our new podcast series, Reinvent Unlocking Future Opportunities, we examine how forward-looking companies can harness digitization and sustainable practices to meet the challenges and grabs the opportunities of tomorrow. Join us for key insights from leading Malaysian corporates, with growth aspirations both locally and globally, on how to innovate, scale and reinvent your business for a successful and sustainable future.
1: Good morning and welcome everybody. Uh, We will be covering healthcare uh, with HSBC and with EY, moving through a lot of the ESG sustainability and health as well as uh, as sustainability in terms of um, healthcare, uh, this continues to be a strong topic that we do need to cover, right? And I would love to hear from our panel today, Puan Wan Nadia, who is the CEO of the Thomson Hospital Kota Damansara Group, right? As well as LG, Mr. LG, who is CEO of Zulik Pharma, right? And I think it's a good mix. Uh, we've got on one side from uh, pwan Wan Nadia's side, a lot of the healthcare, right, um, liners, right, uh, actual operational changes that's happening in healthcare, and then from uh, LG side, it's a lot more on how we're managing the whole supply chain, especially with vaccine requirements rolling out, right, um, making sure that we're getting the right deliveries and also getting the right supply uh, in, in the world today, right, so maybe just to set the scene, of course, with the response to COVID-19, uh, the pandemic has and continues to stretch the healthcare system, sadly, uh, India looks to be going through the, the another big tsunami, right? It's also beyond a wave already. Uh, unfortunately, even for some of my colleagues in EY, they have been um, suffering through it, either personally or through their family members. So I think the call to be vigilant continues to be there, right? The need to continue to do a lot more with less continues to be there and, uh, and the threat of healthcare systems and supply chains that will be stretched to its limit continues to be there. So what, that's what we are basically faced with, right, uh, on an immediate basis. But I thought i also expand that thinking, right, is this really the new norm, right, that we might never actually come out of a pandemic situation for some time. So how do we prepare ourselves uh, mentally as well as the speakers here today? How are we preparing our healthcare systems, right, our healthcare supply chain to make sure that it is, you know, expanded and able to, to go through the entire end-to-end process? Yeah, maybe I just give a minute or two to our key speakers for a quick introduction. Uh, point one, Nadia.
0: Yeah. Hi. Good morning, everyone. Please call me Nadia. Um, I'm the CEO of Thomson Hospital Kota Damansara, and also the Group CEO and Executive Director for TNC Life Sciences Berhad, which is the holding company for the hospital and a few other businesses. So yeah, so happy to answer all your questions.
1: Hey. Okay, good. Thank you. And LG.
2: Hi, good morning, everyone. My name is Louis-Georges Lassanary, but uh, easier to call me LG. I'm the chief executive of Zulik Pharma in Malaysia and Brunei. As a background, I'm a pharmacist, by the way. Uh, Zulik Pharma Malaysia and Brunei, we are not known by, the, uh, by all consumers and patients, but by healthcare providers like uh, Nadia, hospitals and doctors. We are providing, we are importing and distributing all over East, West, Malaysia and Brunei, uh, pharmaceuticals, vaccines, diagnostics, uh, medical device. And basically, to give a number, we are representing uh, 50% of the pharma markets in in Malaysia and the majority of vaccines.
1: Okay, thank you, LG and uh, Nadia. So let's get started. So maybe you can just help to describe to us, right? Um, how has your business and processes changed during this pandemic? And do you see these changes actually, as I said, to be the new norm, right? <laughs> and uh, is it? does it mean minimizing face-to-face, right? Does it mean... Um, a supply chain that's a lot tighter rather than the one that we were going through globalization and spreading out capability, and especially from LG, I would love to hear the whole idea of manufacturing of uh, vaccines, right? What is really the, the way that we need to move forward and, and you know, what's the, the views of the supply chain and the resiliency built into the supply chain?
2: Okay, uh, thanks for, for giving, me the, the, giving me the floor. So speaking about supply chain, I think we... Um, like many industries, we adapted very quickly uh, one year ago. For sure, everything which is physical, a lot of our job is physical. It's moving boxes, uh, treating documents, taking orders, uh, sending invoices. So a lot is, is physical. What is physical add to remain physical, uh, doing warehousing and distributing a product. These, like in many industries, we have been able to move uh, online. So it was just uh, between brackets, uh, buying equipment for our teams, Uh, training our teams to manage remotely their staff. Okay, thanks LG. And over to you Nadia.
0: Now the WHO has confirmed what we have all known for many, many months now, that COVID is actually an airborne disease. And therefore, the design of our buildings and ventilation in our facilities became something of a primary concern. And very early on, we had to make a lot of adaptations to the building and engineering systems to ensure the safety Mm -hmm. for our patients and customers. I think that is something that a lot of people are going to have conversations on. The second one is on the type of services that healthcare providers will be focusing on. Infectious disease traditionally has been somewhat... um, left uh, behind or a little bit overlooked as people were looking at uh, higher trends of non-communicable diseases. But then I think now Mm. um, with the pandemic, infectious diseases are back uh, in the spotlight. Um, There is a focus now on molecular diagnostics, um, uh, genetic sequencing, all these kind of services that are very important for us to identify and detect viruses and also detect variants The third one in healthcare, nobody has ever explored um, that concept before. And it was quite a struggle to suddenly move everything online. Mm. Uh, And also uh, things like telehealth will definitely be here to stay. Um, This issue of um, reducing crowds, distancing, I think will become something that is normal The fourth part, I think, is payments and contractual obligations. So as we know before, pandemics were an exclusion cause in many of our contracts, including insurance and payer contracts. And that this really came to the fore when it came to the issue of who was going to pay for COVID treatment, particularly in private organizations or private hospitals. Um, And this is something that I think that the regulators um, will definitely be uh, wanting to look into as we become... Um, unfortunately, more susceptible to different viruses that will become global pandemics, and how would these contractual obligations, particularly, I think, for financing and payers, um, will change um, in in that demographic. And the last one, of course, which I think LG touched on, was the diversification of supply chain. It's very important for us to diversify our supply, even for vaccination. Um, AstraZeneca's um, uh, you know, relying on India to produce vaccines for a large part of the world, and then suddenly India is shutting down for business. What does that mean um, for the rest of us? So, I think that it has really exposed the vulnerability in our supply chain. And countries are definitely looking at it as a matter of national security to actually shore up their own domestic capabilities in terms of uh, manufacturing and producing some of these very important. Um, equipment and consumables for healthcare.
1: Yeah, okay, thanks. Thanks. Very insightful. Right, so maybe the question to both to both of you is: how have you all enabled digital transformation to happen in your organization? Right? Taking into account uh, the type of investment in technology you're making, especially as you need to respond a lot faster, right, uh, nowadays, right, as well as from the people perspective, the talent, the culture, right, that you're trying now to embed like, within your organizations. Again, uh, Nadia, would you like
0: to go ahead? Um, I think from uh, the healthcare perspective, when we talk about technology, there are a few key priorities now that um, we look at, especially with the pandemic. The first one is integration, data integrity, and making sure that you have enough data to actually give you a sense of what's happening on the ground. And this is happening at an institution level. It is also happening at a national and global level. Having an integrated platform, a unified um, uh, platform and expectation about, um, you know, what kind of data needs to be uh, submitted and managed uh, centrally and analysed, those will become really important. Um, coherency and data integrity. Um, secondly, I think it's on transparency of data in order for analysis. Um, we are no longer looking at, uh, looking at past trends. We are now trying to forecast and prevent future outbreaks to look at where the hotspots will be. So I think that in that sense, that kind of capability has become really important. And the third one, of course, when we talk about healthcare, everyone is worried about security and privacy. So cybersecurity is definitely a priority and concern for us. Um, As we move into um, integrating systems, as we move into the cloud, making sure that we also, the the second part that you brought up, which is culture, very important for us to change the mindset of the organization and to give them uh, the skills that they need actually to operate within this environment. Mm. So particularly, I think in healthcare, we are moving from a mindset where we are service providers, Um, to a mindset where we have to be proactive in terms of anticipating because of the speed of change that could happen, the waves that are coming that we need to, um, you know, prospectively and preemptively take uh, decisions to be made. And therefore, I think um, it is time uh, that the healthcare industry really look at its capabilities within technology and IT um, to make sure that we're ready um, to face the challenges that are coming.
1: Thanks, thanks, Nadia. So I hear yeah, very important the new skill sets around data, right? Changing the culture of our own people so that they can accept digital as a way of life, right? And then most importantly so securing it through cyber threats and all that, right? Even as we even as we open up more, even as we're trying to do more digitally, we really do need to make sure that uh, privacy of data is there, security is there so that uh, uh, cyber attacks do not happen into an organization. Yeah.
2: LG, maybe for your thoughts. Yeah, uh, thanks for the question, it's a a huge question. I I will try to to be short, maybe completing what Nadia uh, has said, which I I fully agree, and it's a very good example uh, what Nadia shared with us. Maybe two things on the magnitude of the transformation and how we are managing this transformation as an industry, as a company, and as a team. On the magnitude of the transformation, I mean, Digital transformation is something which is happening all over the place, in all industries, uh, in every country since many years. But the pandemic has accelerated this. I remember already five years ago, with the help of HSBC, we brought online payment to our customers, pharmacies and hospitals Mm -hmm. in Malaysia. And now it's something managed as a routine. Uh, All our payments are managed online, and all reconciliation of our payment and invoices are robotized, uh, happening automatically every night. And we started that with HSBC. Since then, we have developed an online ordering system, B2B, and now moving B2C, accessible to patients. And we are integrating these systems together with telehealth systems that Nadia was referring to. Maybe a a last example I would like to mention, as Nadia was uh, talking about cybersecurity and integrity of data, safety of personal data, especially when it comes to uh, vaccination information on patients or security brought to patients on the product they are going to get injected in their body. We have developed uh, in partnering with Microsoft and Accenture, a tool called EasyVax, which is basically giving access to everyone, including patient, nurses, and doctors, to all the supply chain information on vaccines. So digital transformation is really happening all over the place. And data security together with digital transformation is really crucial, I agree with Nadia. A last point on how we are managing Um, you were talking about uh, talents, culture, people. And Nadia was referring to to that in terms of uh, training our people to bring to them the skills they need in order to face this massive transformation. Mm -hmm. I definitely uh, uh, agree with all this. I, I will add to that that we should not underestimate that digital transformation is bringing major change, not only with our relation with our clients and customers, but also within our team. And basically, the purpose of digital transformation is to bring value, Mm. either through better safety, better productivity, or more traffic, or more value on on traffic. So more value means also that some jobs will disappear. Some jobs with low value will disappear at the profit of new jobs, which will be created bringing more value. And from a people perspective, we as an organization, together with our HR director, we have to anticipate that by engaging our team, sharing with them our vision, what digital transformation will bring to the company, what people will lose, what people may get, in order to help our team to take these opportunities. Otherwise, our people will just be a victim of digital transformation. So the, the, the people piece on digital transformation is really crucial. Otherwise, we, we have the risk to burn our people and, and to burn our companies.
1: I guess the question in health, you know, in healthcare, especially when we deal with people, right? It's you it's it's really getting it right the first time and then every time after that, right? Mm-hmm. And with that culture, right, and with that mindset, right, and because we are dealing with lives here, right? The question about wastage, right, is it's mm-hmm. is really a balanced question, right? If you get it right the first time and you get it right every time, then you have very little wastage. But at the same time, to get it right the first time, right? It's a lot of investment, I think, LG, as you mentioned, right? It's a lot of investment, it's a lot of trying, right? And today, with this whole uh, culture around running things agile, right? In failing fast, right? Um, that has really changed the concept, right? Of what does, does it mean as wastage and what does it not mean as wastage, right? Mm-hmm. So, maybe a, a question to both of you all, right? Uh, what, what practices have you all put in, right, uh, given the need to uh, sustain our environment as well, even in this pandemic time? Right? Mm-hmm. What, what practices, what things have you all changed right, in your organizations, right, to make sure yeah. that you minimize wastage, right, yet at the same time, get it right the first time, every time?
2: Maybe I can share, uh, if you allow me, Nadia, I can share one, uh, one perspective uh, on that. And, and first of all, I would say definitely agree with you sustainability, including waste management, respecting the environment, has been uh, taking even more importance than before, because I think all of us, including our staff and younger staff, but all of us, we, um, we have taken distance, some distance since the beginning of this uh, catastrophe that COVID is. And so we have learned to take care of what is really important. And so for our teams and our clients, our customers, environment is very important. One uh, and it can be sometimes very simple to be impactful. I just would like to share one project, which maybe will come to Thomson Hospital uh, anytime soon, that we have developed with uh, Baxter. It's a pharmaceutical company doing solutions bags for dialysis at home. We are delivering every day to something like four thousand patients at home in Malaysia mm-hmm. solution bags in plastic uh, to manage their peritoneal dialysis. And these bags used to be wasted, to be thrown to the bin. Mm. Um, And the same at hospital, uh, because there were no organization of how to recycle these bags. And um, as a logistician, it's not so complicated to do what we call reverse logistic. We distribute bags to patients and hospitals. We can also take them back, because our truck will always go back to our warehouse. Mm. So we are working now with Baxter to organize this reverse logistic. And we work together with the Malaysian um, Business Council for Sustainable Development to uh, once we get these uh, plastic bags uh, to recycle them in order to produce uh, anything which can be produced with uh, with secondhand uh, plastic materials. It's uh, very simple. It's not very expensive. It's just a little organization and uh, engaging customers and patients to participate. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it's a good time now like digital transformation to bring ideas like this because People are conscious about this, right? Good. Good. Um, Nadia?
0: Oh, I have to admit that this pandemic has really made me think a lot about how much waste we're generating because I think for infection control purposes, the number of single-use items and disposables has increased tremendously many hundred times fold. Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, of course, safe, when safety comes first, it's really about... Um, not sharing uh, of items to sort of limit the spread. But of course, the handling of medical waste has always been very highly regulated uh, in a sense that we don't expect this waste to um, appear in our rivers and oceans. But we do see that there has been, uh, for example, a lot of face mask pollution now happening in the oceans and seas. And what can we do about it? I mean, we have done very small... Um, projects. Uh, for example, when the pandemic first started, we issued, um, you know, proper cloth masks to all of our staff for them to use to, to encourage uh, reusable uh, cloth masks that are three ply. And we also work with Yaya San Sejatra to sell those cloth masks to our patients. But this is definitely something um, that we need to look into. And I totally welcome, I think, what... Um, Zulek is doing and other people would be doing in terms of recycling some of these items that we use because we definitely use a lot of single-use items now more than before Uh, and this is definitely something that the world and hopefully we look forward to having more innovations in this space um, that would allow us to actually uh, you know reduce our carbon footprint.
1: Okay thank you thank you. Just one quick question Uh, the COVID-19 definitely has put a lot of pressure on the, on the entire healthcare sector. And uh, are you guys seeing any, any accelerated change in the way ecosystem in the healthcare is behaving? And are you seeing new models around public and private partnership in healthcare?
0: I think for us, the uh, pandemic has um, shown two things. Number one, I think in healthcare, traditionally, we've been very risk averse. From the regulators down to the providers. And with COVID, I think that risk algorithm changed dramatically because something needed to be done. And we couldn't wait for regulators to come to have a meeting, come up with guidelines, so on and so forth. So a lot of the approach that happened during COVID was to empower the providers to um, provide those services first. And you know, regulation was uh, sort of like self-regulation, regulating in the sense that if there were issues or after you've already set it up then they would come in and sort of assess whether you would be meeting the standards or not, which I think is a is a good change uh, to have because traditionally it has been change has been very slow in healthcare because um, we are a highly regulated industry. Secondly, for public-private partnership, it's been very clear with the COVID pandemic that the Malaysian government has moved towards a public-private partnership in a big way. It started with um, private hospitals receiving COVID patients, but with the national vaccination program that has become very clear where they have appointed an agency that will pay a reimbursed amount to healthcare providers to participate in the national immunization program. And if this model is successful, and I hope it is, it would set, I think the tone and the template for um, expanding access to other healthcare services to the population. So I think this is a very important example and step that they're taking now um, during this COVID pandemic, because once they've proved it to themselves that it works, it will be a lot easier um, to accept and to expand that model to other areas.
1: Uh, I want to change gears a little bit away from the sort of public-private space to talk about actually one of the key components within the healthcare ecosystem, which is insurance companies. Um, what do you see, uh, what do the panelists see as the evolution? Because uh, I see actually that the insurance company has been very, very slow to adopt digital transformation technologies, uh, particularly in terms of patient acceptance at hospitals. Uh, I mean, the, the, the whole process can become instantaneous if they go real time, but there seems to be a tremendous reluctance on the part of insurance, companies, particularly in Malaysia. I mean some of the work that we're doing for example say with insurance companies in other countries shows that the insurance companies are much more forward-looking in terms of changing their ecosystems to cope with the current scenario and i just wondered what the panelists might have to say on that right okay thanks so it's about the whole ecosystem being digital right but if one of the players are non-digital How can you respond? What are you going to do from an overall perspective so that again care is given at the right time, right? Uh, Customer experience is not impacted, you know, payments are as smooth as possible at the back.
2: I may just tell that uh, briefly that uh, insurance companies like all stakeholders in healthcare are facing pressure from patients and patients now, uh, they have experienced digitalization everywhere. So they want processes digital, online and fast including uh, approval of treatment, approval of reimbursement, online payment, and so on. And I I cannot compare Malaysia with other countries in that respect, but I I know there are several companies, private companies coming with digital solutions to propose to let's say hospitals and insurance companies and patients uh, to digitalize their process and everyone is interested. Uh, Insurance companies are interested to attract patients, hospitals are interested in productivity, Patients, they want uh, speed and uh, ease of use. So this is coming uh, from from everywhere. I, I see that coming. And some hospitals have moved to that already and some insurance companies as well. I guess uh, maybe a closing question to both our panelists, right?
1: is um, What are the big bets or the foresights that you all are making for the next 12 to 24 months, right? Uh, given the situation that you're in now, right? And also what you think will happen in the next uh, one to two years' time. Uh, Nadia, you start
0: first? <laughs> So I think we start with the most straightforward ones. I think definitely molecular diagnostics in many of those um, sectors would definitely expand and grow sequencing. Um, it's very important for us to get a handle of this pandemic and to be ahead of future pandemics. Um, If we look at building domestic capacity, I think we had discussed this before for key uh, things from PPE to vaccines, that is something that a lot of people, and we've seen companies even like Masing, who's now uh, gone into the glove making business and we will definitely see, I think, um, a trend towards this. And I hope that this um, sort of um, pandemic has been a catalyst for change in the regulatory environment in order for us to be able to adapt. And I definitely think that the the regulatory landscape, not just from the Ministry of Health, but Bank Nagara when it comes to insurance, provide, uh, you know, payers and providers. I think the regulatory rent landscape will definitely um, uh, have to change in order for us to adapt. And last but not least, we always talk about technology. I think if you asked us a year and a half ago whether Um, people would accept that there would be this app that we have to scan in every single place that we go through, and it would track where we went, uh, you know, with whom we've been, that everybody would freak out. But that's just the reality of life today. And so how technology is going to become so embedded in tracking this data that we're producing, um, not just health data, our location data, and, and many other kinds of information in order for us to to have a handle on things. And so that's with that also comes the security concerns and everything else. So these are a lot of um, uh, big, big areas that I think we will see a lot of um, developments coming forward. Um, And and we don't want to be uh, missing out on this or sort of like uh, waiting too late and then uh, getting left out or getting overwhelmed. So I think it's important for all of us to really understand the the scope and scale of these um, technologies. If if the government chose to actually integrate all this information, it would be a very powerful tool um, which needs to be managed uh, properly.
2: Yeah, thanks, thanks, Nadia. And LG, uh, any closing? Just to complete what Nadia said, uh, I think, yes, testing and COVID vaccination uh, will be key. Uh, We are just at the beginning. It has to be much bigger, much stronger, much bigger scale, much, much faster, Uh, but it's starting. And this will have an impact, uh, not only on healthcare, but on the whole economy, how fast we'll recover. Uh, Definitely into that, both for testing and COVID vaccination, digitalization, digital tools, and public private partnership are essential. And here, I believe the government, like in every country, has a key role to play. They've already done a lot. There is still a lot to do. Um, As Nadia said, we are a very regulated industry. Mm. Uh, I would say, curiously, in the field of digital health and uh, public-private partnership, especially around COVID uh, testing, vaccination, there are still some rules to be set, and it's the government to set the tone, and then to let the market play, and all the providers, stakeholders, public-private play. And if we manage that, we can get out of the crisis quickly.
1: Okay, so thank you. Thank you again to our panelists. Thank you for all the, the insights today. So clearly to me, right, healthcare is at the forefront of the pandemic, right, and with sustainability uh, as a key concept, right? I think what really came out to me today was that, you know, public-private uh, partnership means that, you know, again, working through an entire ecosystem, right, of people providing services and receiving services from each other from their... But I think one thing that we are proud to be in Malaysia, so our strong community feel, right? And I know that if we continue to band together as a community, we will be able to get through this pandemic together. Okay, so thank you everybody.
2: This
0: has been a special production of our reInvent, Unlocking the Future miniseries. Look out for more episodes coming soon. Thank you for joining us for HSBC Talks Business. To learn more about anything you heard today, please visit business.hsbc.com.